Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What The Bump. It has been so long since I have recorded a podcast and I'm super excited to be behind the mic. I feel like I say this every time I record a new podcast that it has been so long and that's just because it has been. I was trying to record one every single week and clearly have fallen behind working full-time as a labor and delivery nurse and then also being full-time in school again has literally just taken so much of my time and I've only been in school for like a month now but it feels like I have been back for so long. So I think I've said this in a podcast before but I actually have an associate's so I'm still a registered nurse. I just have an associate's degree and I am back to school doing my bachelor's degree and I'm trying to do it in six months I'm honestly actually ahead of the schedule but I'm trying to get it done as quickly as I can I pay per term so the quicker I do it the cheaper it is I guess you could say so that is kind of why I have been so busy and have been slacking so bad on my podcast but today is going to be just like a fun little podcast it is 10 things a labor and delivery nurse wish you knew so this is coming from me of course these are 10 things that I just kind of wish my patients knew sometimes things about labor and postpartum and birth and all of that so let's jump in to the 10 things a labor and delivery nurse wishes you knew Number one, my number one thing that I wish people knew is that labor is a marathon. Labor is a marathon. It will take much longer than you expect, most likely, especially if you're there for an induction and especially if it is your first time baby. So on average, it can take anywhere from 12 to 18 hours for first time moms. I've seen it take like three days for first time inductions and it can just take a really long time. The other thing going along with it, with labor being a marathon is just that it's really good to familiarize yourself with terms of labor. So So like cervical checks, which I'm sure if you're pregnant or even not, you've probably heard of cervical checks. So a cervical check is where we basically check your cervix. We um, use a sterile glove in our hand and we check how dilated you are. And you can be anywhere from a zero to a 10. 10 is where you need to be to push. 10 means you're complete is another word. Sometimes we'll just say, oh, you're complete. That means you're 10 centimeters. That means that there's no cervix that we can feel. We just feel the baby's head. Another thing that goes along with cervical checks besides dilation is going to be effacement. So effacement is how thinned out your cervix is. So like 0% effaced would mean that your cervix is just closed. It'd have to be closed and just like as thick as it could possibly be. 100% effaced means it's super thin, like a thin rubber band. It's completely thinned out as thin as it can get. And then anywhere from like 50% would just be that it's halfway thinned out. And then the last thing that goes with the cervical check besides dilation and effacement is going to be the station. So station of the baby. Zero is like right in line with your pubic bone and your pelvis. And then anywhere minus would be higher than that. So if you're minus three, that means that your baby's very high up, very far back, still not really engaged in the pelvis at all. And if you're a plus two, that means that your baby is almost out. It's very, very close to the vaginal opening and very far past that um, zero station mark. So those are all words that you will hear that go along with a cervical check is dilation, effacement, and station. Like I said, to be able to push, you need to be at that 10 centimeter mark. And to be able to push, you need to be in active labor. Active labor is contractions and dilation. So that's how we, that's how we kind of describe active labor is you have to be dilating so you have to be having cervical change and you have to be having contractions number two another thing i want you to know from a labor and delivery nurse standpoint is about epidurals so epidurals are great 
I, you know, if you want to go natural, if you want an epidural to each their own, whatever you want, it really doesn't matter. Cause at the end of the day, you're going to take home a healthy baby and a healthy mama. And that is the only goal. So whether you want to try to do it naturally or you don't, you can always change your mind. I don't know about other hospitals, but at our hospital, as long as you can sit still and you're not literally actively pushing out the baby, we will get you an epidural. If you're eight centimeters, if you're nine centimeters, as long as you can hang on and stay in control and sit still long enough, we will get you the epidural. Now, I want you to get the epidural when it's actually painful. So I don't want you to come in and just be having a few contractions and maybe like one to two centimeters, but get admitted and ask for the epidural right off the bat. Your labor is most likely not going to go from zero to absolutely 100 where you're out of control, where the pain is just not even, you can't handle it. Normally it kind of progresses and the contractions start to pick up. And when you start having that cervical change and you're feeling those contractions and they're, you know, you're kind of having to breathe through them or stop what you're doing, that's when you should start considering the epidural. Now at our hospital, once you tell us you want the epidural, it takes about 45 minutes after that to actually get the epidural. And what we do during that 45 minutes from the time you tell us you want it is we give you a fluid bolus. So we give you a whole bag of fluid that kind of helps counteract the blood pressure issues that an epidural can cause, which are temporary, but sometimes they do cause your blood pressure to drop. And it gives us time to set up the room and to call the anesthesiologist. So once you say that you want it, give us about 45 minutes. So don't wait too long, but also don't get it right off the bat when you feel, you know, one little contraction. Another thing with the epidural that I want you to know is that you cannot get out of bed and you cannot get out of bed to pee with the epidural. So please do not try to stand up. Epidurals numb you, you know, from basically kind of mid stomach down and you cannot walk, you cannot stand. So no getting out of bed once you get the epidural. Another reason why we kind of want you to hold off a little bit and then also no getting out of bed to pee. So we will either put a Foley catheter in your bladder or we will in and out drain your bladder about every three hours while you have the epidural. And that is something that my patients always are like, wait, what do I do about peeing after they get the epidural? So that is always something I am educating them on. And that's just something that I do want you to know. The third thing I wish my patients knew was that I truly do not care about how your last labor went. And, you know, it's, it's great to know, like if you went very fast or you went very slow or kind of what happened, that's fine. You can tell me that. But a lot of patients will come in and they are just like, this is exactly how my last labor went. So I know that this one's going to go the exact same way. And that is just not how it works. Every labor is different. Every baby is different. Every pregnancy is different. It doesn't matter if you shout out your last baby, you know, in one hour after you even arrived at the hospital, or if it took you 30 hours to even get into active labor and start to dilate every baby, every pregnancy is so different. So, I mean, it's fine to tell us how your last pregnancy went or how, you know, your last labor went. That's always great, but it is not how this one is going to go by any means. The fourth thing is that it is completely normal during labor for your baby's heart rate to drop at certain points in certain period of time. So sometimes that really freaks people out. But when your baby's heart rate is dropping, what we do is we come in and we turn you. We do a lot of turning. And if you have an epidural, there might be two or three of us in there turning you on your sides. Um, we'll give you some oxygen. We might give you some fluid. And we're just going to be kind of flipping you right, left, center until we can kind of get that baby into a better position that he or she likes. And then they maybe stop doing that with their heart rate. So a lot of times we will just kind of come in and we'll just start turning you and giving you oxygen and giving you fluid. And we might not communicate that with you and this is something I want you to know if if your nurses are coming in and they're just turning you and doing all this stuff it's just because your baby's heart rate is down we're not trying to be rude by just not talking to you and kind of just like manhandling you we are just trying to get this baby's heart rate back up and get you into a better position sometimes it's a little bit more subtle 
and there's certain we classify how babies' heart rates decrease based on how they correlate with your contractions. Some of them we don't worry about. Some of them we kind of just casually turn you and try to resolve them. And some of them, if it's prolonged, if the baby's heart rate's down too long, that's when kind of more of us rush in and we really start kind of doing things to try to resolve the issue. But at certain points in labor, it is normal for baby's heart rate to go down, especially after the epidural, if your blood pressure drops a little bit. And like I said, we can give you some medicine or turn you or some positions, some fluids, and normally it will resolve. The fifth thing I wish my patients knew is that I like birth plans. You can have a birth plan because it means that you've done your research and you've educated yourself. So some people and some nurses even hate birth plans. They think that they're dumb and all the things in between. But I I like birth plans and I like my patients doing their own research. However, on the terms of birth plans, I want you to know that a lot of times it does not go as you plan. So birth plans are great, but please do not let it be stuck in stone. And I actually recorded one of my earlier podcast episodes on birth plans that you should go listen to, but labor is very unpredictable and I you just need to be okay with your birth plan not happening. Also, if things start kind of, you know, you want things to go right and things start going left and we start suggesting things that are not on your birth plan or things that you, you know, did not initially want, um, that's fine for you to refuse it, but just hear us out and kind of listen to our reasoning on why we're doing it. Just remember that your physician is a professional. They do do this very often. And, um, just because it's not on your birth plan doesn't mean that you absolutely have to decline what they suggest. Just, you know, make sure you're educating yourself and advocating for yourself, but also listening and understanding because labor and delivery is uncharted territory. Every time you come in, it is something different. Number six, your water does not break like it does in the movies where it's like a huge tidal wave and then five minutes later, mom's pushing and baby's crowning and baby's coming out and the baby's delivered. It usually doesn't happen like that. Sometimes your water breaks and it might be a big gush. Sometimes it's a tiny little trickle. Sometimes it doesn't even break at the end until you're pushing. And sometimes it breaks even before you're even contracting or in labor. So your water doesn't always break in a huge tidal wave. Sometimes it's just a little trickle. You might even think, did I like just pee myself or like what's going on? And it might be your water breaking. So it doesn't always break and release tons of water. Also, after you deliver, sometimes there's a ton of water. Like you might've trickled the whole time you were in labor. And then after baby comes out, it's like that's when the tidal wave comes because sometimes a lot of that water can kind of be trapped up behind the baby. And we might not see it all until after you deliver, but your water will most likely not break in a huge tidal wave that sends water and baby all out in one gush. The seventh thing, and please listen closely to this one that I want you to know is you're going to bleed, you're going to sweat, and you're most likely going to poop. (laughs) All three of those things are probably going to happen. And they are just kind of inevitable. I mean, if you think about starting off with bleeding after when you're in labor, you will have a little bit of bloody show as your cervix changes, you will probably bleed. But after you deliver is when you really start to bleed. We will kind of rub on your belly and push on your belly following delivery to make sure your uterus is nice and low and solid and firm and you'll bleed. You'll bleed like a heavy period for at least the first two days and then slowly it'll kind of taper off over the next week or two. But you will bleed, especially during delivery as well. Number two, you're going to sweat. Labor is a marathon. Labor is long. Labor is a workout and pushing especially is a workout. So you will probably very, very sweaty by the end. And lastly, you are most likely going to poop. I know this is every woman's like biggest fear when they're in labor. I promise it'll be like the last thing you're even thinking about or remember from your entire birth experience. I've never delivered somebody then after them be like, oh, I knew I was going to like, no, they just, it just doesn't matter at the end. But your baby's head is coming out of your vagina. Guess what's next to your vagina? 
your rectum. So that baby's head is big and its body's big. So when it goes down into that area, your vagina has to spread and expand and open as much as it can and take up all the space down there. That's going to compress your rectum. And if you think about a toothpaste bottle, when you compress a toothpaste bottle, basically what happens to your rectum, you're just, you're probably going to poop. Anything that is up there is going to come out and it is completely normal. It happens and you probably won't even know. We're very, very good and discreet about kind of just cleaning it up, getting it out of the way, and nobody really ever sees it. Number eight, the eighth thing that I wish you knew. So this is that breastfeeding is hard. Breastfeeding is very hard. It, and I always tell my moms, it's a learning curve for you and it's a learning curve for your baby. And even if you've breastfed before, it's still a learning curve for you and it's still another learning curve for your baby. Your baby's never breastfed before. They are transitioning to the world. They're transitioning to breathing oxygen. And they're also just trying to learn how to do this suck, swallow, breathe all at the same time. So in the beginning, it's a ton, a ton, a ton of latching unlatching, relatching, latching, unlatching, relatching, because they're just trying to learn how to suck, how to swallow and breathe and do it all at the same time. And you're also learning even how to breastfeed. I think people come into it thinking that it's so easy and that you literally just bring the baby towards your nipple and they, they latch and they, you know, get fed and that's that. But it is not like that. It's very, very hard. It's hard sometimes to get the baby in the right spot, get their latch good. Some babies honestly really, really, really struggle in the beginning, even getting this whole suck swallow reflex. So breastfeeding can be very, very challenging. I definitely recommend preparing by either, you know, having a lactation consultant or at least knowing one that you can go to. Most hospitals will provide you with one. My hospital, we do have lactation consultants that work from like 8 a.m. to like 11 p.m. So they're there, or um, yeah, 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. So they're there the entire day and they even sometimes stay a little bit over later into the night. But they will come and see every single patient and, you know, they will show you how to breastfeed, help you breastfeed. Of course, your nurse will show you how to breastfeed and help you breastfeed as well. But they are like the kind of the professionals that are very nice to have on hand. And if your hospital does not offer that, I definitely would recommend finding one that you can go to after you deliver and one that you can kind of just have on hand to consult with because breastfeeding can be a very, very big challenge. And in the beginning for the first few days, you don't have milk yet. So it's colostrum. So don't expect to deliver and have like you know, be able to see milk and all this stuff. It's tiny, tiny drops that your baby is getting in the first few days, but it is high quality, low quantity in the beginning. That is what colostrum is. And then once your milk comes in, of course, your quantity and everything increases. Number nine, by the end, you will not be so modest. This is something that I sometimes will straight up tell my patients right off the bat. By the end of this, you will not be so modest. I'll have some patients who come in and, you know, I'm getting them on the monitor and getting them hooked up to things. And um, I'm like, you know, do you have a bra on? Let's take that off. That way, once, you know, things start picking up and we need the epidural, we don't have to worry about getting it off. And they'll like be so modest and like go in the bathroom and like take, and it's just, it's, it's funny and it's fine. But I, I sometimes just wish I could tell them like, by the end of this, let me just tell you, like, it will not be like that. When you deliver, when you're pushing a baby out of your vagina, there's going to be so many people in there. There's going to be your nurse, probably another nurse, a baby nurse, your doctor, maybe a physician assistant, maybe a midwife, two scrub techs, maybe a neonatal nurse practitioner, a respiratory therapist. It's a lot of people. And I always tell my patients and I warn them, just so you know, when you deliver, it's not just going to be me and the doctor. It's going to be a birthday party. And, you know, that can kind of at least prepare them for that. 
But by the end, we will have been through so much together that you will just not be so modest. It is so funny. Sometimes the the most private, modest woman that I've ever taken care of, by the end, I walk in their room after after we've delivered and everything, and they are just butt naked standing there or butt naked laying in bed. And they're just, it's just so funny because by the end of it, labor and delivery is such a unique experience. I can't even describe it unless you've been through it or you've seen somebody go through it, but you just go through a lot from cervical checks to Foley catheters to changing your pads and changing your pad ice packs to literally being between your legs while you push out a baby, cleaning you up in bed, changing your underwear for you, helping you latch your baby to your breast. I mean, we go through so much with you that by the end, there's just no modesty anymore. There's no privacy, but it doesn't matter. It's what we're used to. I'm so used to it and people get so nervous about everything. And I always tell them, I've seen so many boobs and so many vaginas. I promise they all just look the same to me. Like we've seen it all. We've seen it all. And I wish my patients just knew by the end of it that we'll just, we'll be very close. We'll know each other very well and you just won't be so modest. And number 10, piggybacking off of my number nine, the 10th thing that your labor and delivery nurse wish you knew. By the time that it is over, we will be friends. So I know I said that by the time it's over, you won't be so modest, but we will also be friends. I will have been through something with you that not even your closest friends have probably been through with you. I've been with you at rock bottom and at the best moment in your life, I've seen you in more pain than you can ever imagine and seen you having more joy than you could ever imagine probably more than your close friends or family members have ever even seen you had. I will have taken care of you through so much and through some of the most unpredictable, maybe scariest, most exciting and fun times of your entire life. And that is my last point, something that I wish my patients knew that by the end of this, I will probably friend you on Facebook (laughs) and we will be definite, definite friends. Labor and delivery is beautiful. It is a journey that I just, I really can't even describe in one podcast. It's crazy, exciting, amazing, scary, frustrating at times, and just uh, every word you could probably think of, you could you could relate somehow to labor and delivery and the entire experience that it is. But by the end, you and your nurse will have been through everything together. We're your advocate. We're your friend. We're here to take care of you. We're here to protect you. And basically be any anything that you could ever need us to be so that is the 10 things that i really wish my patients knew and i really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast i know i had fun writing it and just kind of planning it it was nice because it was super simple it's just you know 10 things that i could think of that i wish i could just kind of say to every one of my patients so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and i definitely especially right now i'm going to try to do a little bit more like lighthearted, not so research heavy podcast just because my schooling is like so much research and paper writing that it makes it just much easier and a nicer break so if you're new to the podcast head over to instagram and follow our instagram i need to get a little bit more active on there but it's at what the bump podcast and definitely message me tell me what you think of the podcast please send me podcasts like recommendations honestly that makes me even more passionate about doing these podcasts and recording them just knowing that people are listening and that there are topics that they want me to research or talk about or educate them on please please if there's anything you want to know surrounding pregnancy labor delivery postpartum please shoot me over a message and tell me what it is and I will do an entire podcast talking about it I promise you so that is all I have for you guys today I will see you in the next podcast Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about The Bump.
And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I am still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you.